a podcast. Did your radio show get canceled? Fire, fire, fire. Low down and filthy, but the discipline is on point. Schooled myself, made my own dojo. A cold flow with the whole dose of soul. Maintain composure, even in fury. An anomaly, properties undiscernible to me. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we don't answer your money questions. You see, this show really is about you uh, asking your financial questions and me uh, answering them. Today, that's not what we're doing. Today is a cry for help. My cry for for help. I've dabbled in minimalism for years. And by dabbled, I mean, I like to read books on it and do nothing. But today I am publicly stating my intention to uh, making some better efforts and minimalizing the stuff in my life. My wife and I are reading a book right now called The Minimalist Home by author Joshua Becker. Joshua has been on the show before years ago. He's one of my favorite writers. And he joins us this entire episode as a means to intervene into the clutter that is my life. Josh Joshua, welcome back to the program. Well, thank you for having me. It is a pleasure to answer your cry for help. Oh, man. You, were, you didn't realize you were invited here to save my life, but now it's like, oh, I wish I would have said I was busy. Or like, Are you feeling that right now? You, you, uh, you didn't tell me you were motivated by uh, selfish means. Well, it's all good. It's it just, all good. You are not alone. You are not alone in your struggles. That's why I wrote the book, as a matter of fact. Well, excellent. Well, we're going to talk a lot about the book this entire uh, hour. Uh, again, it's The Minimalist Home. It comes out December 18th uh, in bookstores everywhere, but you can go ahead and buy it online now. Joshua, let's start here. Um, there's so many misconceptions and myths and, and, and misunderstandings around minimalism. Help us understand what it is and, uh, I guess, in some aspects, more importantly, what it is not. Sure. So minimalism essentially is the pursuit of owning fewer possessions. Uh, It is built on this foundational truth that possessions do not make us happy, which most people realize, but there's a further realization to be made, and that is that possessions not only are not making us happy, they're actually distracting us from the things that do bring us happiness in life. So when you just think of all the money and time and energy and effort, all the stress that goes into chasing and accumulating material possessions, you start to get this sense of, man, I'm wasting a lot of finite resources on things that don't actually matter. And uh, as a result, we, we end up missing out on doing many of the things that we wish we could be doing with our lives instead. So that's the, the basic premise of minimalism, and I think the understanding that, that kind of flips the, the trigger or flips the switch um, for someone to start thinking differently about the things that they own. I suppose some of the biggest misconceptions that I've run into is um, people who think that this is rigid or rule-based in some way. It's quite the opposite. Minimalism is very flexible. It looks very different from one person to another. Uh, A single person in their 20s is going to practice minimalism differently than uh, a mother of four children in her 40s or even a a grandparent who's looking to downsize. So it looks very different from person to person, even career to career, right? A, a, A minimalist car mechanic is going to own something different than a minimalist accountant or minimalist teacher uh, might own. So that's probably one of the, maybe the the most 
freeing misconception to uh, to overcome in, in people's thinking when when they hear the word minimalism, for sure. Yeah, you know, I always think that within a person's own life, maybe they can be a minimalist from a home perspective and minimalist in their garage. You know, these are the big you know categories, but maybe they have a lot of clothes and that style of minimalism works for them. Is that just me holding on to a pipe dream or is that level of detail exist within this whole world? Oh, look, I think that almost everybody would benefit from owning fewer things. Um, how much fewer they own, I tend to think the fewer they own in every area, the more benefit that comes back to their life. But it looks different. I remember very early on when I was um, writing about minimalism. I've been writing about it for ten and a half years, uh, writing and practicing and, and speaking on it. And one person um, emailed me, and he was a big biker, like just like riding bikes. And he's like, "Do I have to get rid of all my bicycling stuff?" And I said, "No. If, if that's your passion, if that's your hobby, if this is how you find, um, you know, exercise and, and chance to reflect on life, then then keep your bicycling stuff. Maybe you don't need to keep all of the camping gear and golfing gear and stuff from high school and college and all the other things that are actually keeping you from doing what it is that you you love most to do." Yeah, I see that works as long as your hobby isn't hoarding. Right, <laughs> so it's, it's like oh, I, I, you know, I'm just sort of an amateur hoarder. Now, I guess has Josh and this. Is, I want 100% honesty here. Has anyone ever emailed you, or faxed you, or emailed you, and said, you know, I did all this, and I regret it because my gut tells me no one has ever gone through an exercise of cleansing and decluttering and said, yeah, I wish I hadn't done that. Have you ever gotten that letter? No, but let me get you the email that I, I do get. No, I, I don't. Like, I, I can't think of anybody who, who said this, this didn't work for me. I, I wish I had a whole bunch of stuff that I didn't need. Um, but what I do here, and I, I might even relate it back to your comment about the hobby of hoarding, which was funny, but there's something to be said about that. Um, usually the email that I might get from people is they'll say, okay, I've done this. I've got rid of everything now what am I supposed to do with my life? And the answer is you get to go do whatever it is that you want to do. You have, you have cleared your space. You've cleared your uh, home. You've cleared your mind. And now you can go do wherever you want to look for fulfillment and purpose in life or significance in life. Uh, I, I don't think anybody says to themselves, well, I don't think you sit across the table from anybody, and when you ask them what do you most want to accomplish in life, nobody says, at least a very small percentage of people, most people don't say, I just want to own as much stuff as I possibly can. Like that, that is not what gets our hearts excited, right? We, we talk about love, and we talk about hope and impact, we talk about faith. Like these are the things that are most important to us when we really start to look into our hearts. Um, and so, I mean, back to your hobby of hoarding joke, like, I, I don't think anyone sets out to say, I want to be as big a hoarder as I possibly can. There's, there's some thinking that they need to overcome in order to begin living the life that they wish that they were living instead. Yeah, as I examine this, something's occurred to me, I would say in the last year, but definitely in the last six months. And I know, Joshua, you travel around the country 
quite a bit speaking. I have noticed not only are there more storage facilities, which that sort of idea has become cliche, but they're nicer than ever. They are luxury storage facilities for things you don't use. Have you noticed that trend as well? Yeah, well, I'm, I live in Phoenix, so it was the first time I, uh, I, re I realized they have air-conditioned storage units. And yes, very beautiful. They have guards there, and we spend a lot of money taking, taking care of our stuff that we don't need, that's for sure. I feel like uh, at age 41, uh, as of tomorrow, and no, I'm not asking you to wish me happy birthday, I am, uh, I'm starting to get to this place where I got too much stuff. And it seems like on some level a wealthy person's complaint, but I'll be honest, I'm not particularly wealthy. And number two, a lot of Americans who aren't also aren't wealthy have too much stuff. And I feel like I want everyone to not only come to that realization on their own, but with your new book, The Minimalist Home, where they can read The More of Less, which is uh, one of your other books, which I love. I want them to have a strategy to do that. So I know for the remainder of the show, we're going to go, not maybe every room of the house, but we're going to hit specific tips for specific rooms of your house uh, of how to declutter. Now, I will say, before we go to the break here in just a moment, Joshua, you started with your garage. Is that how I remember the story correctly? Yes, indeed. I was uh, cleaning out my garage while my son played alone in the backyard and and after several hours, thought to myself, why am I wasting my day on a bunch of stuff that doesn't matter? Yeah, it's it's things that don't matter. And, and like you, you've said, it's things that on some level take away satisfaction, right? And that's the craziest thing when your possessions, which you've acquired, um, start to take away from the quality of life, which again, it's just, it's nuts. So we'll be back in just a moment. Joshua Becker, author of The Minimalist Home, right here on The Pete The Planner Show. Question the right of any man to voice his opinion as strongly as any can. But then again, many men are citizens of their own little world, so they ain't really fitting in. I'm in the background blending in, camouflaged by the scenery, but I'm a champion. Revamp the camp again. But Back on the Pete the Planner show, the minimalist edition of the show. My cry for help. We're one of the foremost experts on minimalism in the country, Joshua Becker. Now, Joshua, your new book comes out December 18th. People can buy it online now. I mean, would you recommend people buy it on an e-reader? That way they're not cluttering their home with a book? Or What's your actual stance on that? That sounds like a joke, but I guess I'm being serious. My actual stance is I think people should devour information in whichever way they learn best. I, uh, I actually get a little upset when, when people would say something like, oh, you're selling a book? That doesn't seem very minimalist. And I always think to myself, I don't, I don't think personal development is something yeah, right. that we should stop doing. Um, so if you, if you learn best with a, with a physical book, then get a physical book. Um, or I, I narrate the audiobook version. If you learn best listening, then, then listen. If you like an e-reader, then get an e-reader um, and read it that way. I think... Uh, Whatever helps people the most is the best way to read it, for sure. Yeah, it's funny. I, I consumed so far this year like 37 audio books and three written books. And your book is one of the written books uh, because I've written so much in the in the margins because it, it, I'm just it's 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 bringing thoughts to my head. And one of those thoughts that I often get to when it comes to minimalism, and especially your writing, is there's this misconception that minimalism is about being cheap and owning owning like 
cheap stuff. Help us understand why that isn't true. Yeah, that's a great point, actually. Thanks for bringing it up. You know, frugality and minimalism are not the same thing. Uh, some people are minimalist because they're frugal, uh, but not everyone who practices minimalism uh, needs to be frugal. In fact, I, I was almost surprised as I began minimizing my home 10 years ago. We got rid of about 60 70% of our stuff. Um, but one of the things that I noticed was that owning fewer things allowed me to own higher quality things. If I didn't need four different watches, I could have one nice one. If I didn't, if I wasn't buying 15 to 20 pairs of pants off the clearance rack at Kohl's, I could find three or four or five that I really like and are quality and last a long time. So, yeah, I think that's important to, to point out that I'm not telling people to buy the cheapest things possible. In fact, I would, I would say buy high-quality things that are going to last. Um, if you know that you need something, uh, then you might as well get something that's uh, going to be worth having. Yeah, the Minimalist Home, a room-by-room -room guide to a decluttered, refocused life, comes out December 18th. You can get it online now. But what we're going to do right now with author Joshua Becker is go through a few uh, rooms that uh, specifically have uh, different ways you can uh, minimize, uh, minimize what is in those rooms. Let's start with uh, bedrooms. Uh, how, how, how best to tackle the bedroom, Joshua? Yeah, good, uh, good, good place to start. Um, the, uh, the method that I put forward in the book, uh, I call it the Becker Method because why not? I wrote the book. It's a good name. Um, it, is, it, it follows a, a, a pretty simple path or important pathway, and it is this. You move through your home decluttering spaces easiest to hardest. Uh, a lot of people, when they think about decluttering, they, they go to their basement or the garage or the attic or the home office where there's a lot of stuff. But because it takes so long, they often get frustrated. They don't get to see the results of it. Uh, and so they, they quickly give up and, and don't do it. And so I, uh, I'd say start in your living room, start in your dining room, your family room, maybe your car, just getting rid of the things in your car. Uh, a bedroom is one of the, the very early rooms that we get to because for most people it's, it's manageable. And because you spend so much time in it, you can experience the benefits of it and notice those benefits, which then motivate you to go to the next room um, uh, whatever the next most hardest room might be. Um, the, the bedroom is also important because I talk a lot in the book about purposes, uh, that our home has a purpose. Our home should be a place for rest and security. Uh, it should be that, but our home should also be a place that is um, a launching pad into the rest of the world, right? Like we don't go home to rest forever. We go home to rest up so that we can go out and accomplish whatever good it is that we want to accomplish in the world. So our home should serve that purpose. And then each individual room in the home should serve specific purposes. Uh, so very early on in the, when I'm talking about the bedroom, I, I make the comment, look, your bedroom serves two purposes. It should be for rest and it should be for intimacy. And so as you begin looking at the things on your counters, on your, on your dressers, on your floor, like are the items in that room serving those purposes or 
is are they making it more difficult for rest and intimacy to occur in that room? Because if so, then they should be relocated, they should be donated, they should be given away, uh, whatever the, the proper step is for each of those things. Which begs the question, I guess we need to rewind for like five seconds. Uh, the piles I'm going to make of this stuff that I'm going to remove from my bedroom, there's the giveaway and throwaway piles. I, I would assume, are there other piles or are those the two main piles? Uh, three main piles. I, uh, I say each room will have three main piles. Um, your, your get rid of pile hopefully becomes the biggest. Uh, most of the stuff we have we don't need. Uh, the second pile is uh, like a relocate inside the home, right? The hammer that's in your junk drawer in the kitchen. Like there's a better home for that. The toys that are in the living room, there's a better space. Um, there's a better place for those things. And then the pile of things that remain and stay in the room. Uh, which you then return in an organized fashion as but, much as possible. And, uh, and, with, and I'll give you, yeah. I'll give, and I'll give you another quick tip on the the giveaway pile. Um, honestly, if if you don't need the money, then just donate it all. Like find a local charity and donate your things there. Exceptions might be something really expensive or something really large that's easier to have someone come and pick it up. But for the most part, trying to sell every little thing that we're getting rid of just adds time and energy we don't usually get nearly as much money out of that stuff as we think and plus i i think generosity has rewards of its own that, that we can't ever get by trying to sell everything on ebay or at a garage sale now i, I know one of the i've already brought it up in the show but i know one of the easy spots for most people is just to go through their their closet and say i don't wear this i do wear this and all these different things. I'm going to be honest, Joshua, that's going to be my hardest thing is my closet. I own a tremendous number of suits and jackets. I'm a professional speaker like you are. I am on television a lot. I like to keep my look interesting, and I don't have a uniform, as you often describe it. Um, help me understand, is maybe the closet not the thing for me, or is there a better way to view this? Oh, I think there's a better way to, to view it. I, uh, I, I don't think owning... Fewer clothes means that you, um, yes, I tend to be a, a look guy. I, I have my style. I have my look. I don't need to change my look. I don't need to test out a lot of different upcoming fashions. I, I have what I like to wear. I have my staples, and I, I keep them. Um, I, I cut my closet down from 120 things down to 30 or 40 and i i couldn't be happier uh, most people that i know who test out owning fewer clothes end up liking it um but i would i would tell you to experiment with less um, yeah. it's even a, a principle in the book i would get move half of the clothes out of your closet and you don't have to give them away just move them somewhere else in the house and see what happens when you have 50% of the things hanging in your closet, I can almost um, guarantee you'll like getting ready in the morning. It'll be easier, more calm. You'll, you'll like every article of clothing hanging in your closet. I, I think you'll like owning fewer clothes more than you more than you give yourself credit for. Now, it would be a shame if we don't talk about gift giving, and that's exactly what we're going to do after the break. Minimalism and gift giving and gift receiving how to, how to make that seamless transition and go into 2019 with the right perspective, with the way you give gifts. We'll do that next with author uh, Joshua Becker. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is my show. Hi. 
I'm internet podcaster Peter Dunn. You may know me as Pete the Planner. You hear me on the radio and on your podcasting device, but did you know you can also see me on YouTube? That's right, we have a YouTube channel and we call it PeteThePlanner.tv. We ask you to subscribe so you can catch great shows like Pete's Eats and this here podcast with drawings. But the drawings are made with a video camera. Subscribe today. Back on the Pete the Planner show, minimalism edition of the show. I guess I got to start seeing happy holidays, uh, you know, because it's that season. The Minimalist Home is the new book. It comes out December 18th. Uh, the author is Joshua Becker. He's been kind enough to join us this entire uh, hour. Joshua, I, I would classify you as sort of this new thing that we have in our society today. It's called an online friend. <laughs> I feel like we've gotten to know each other over the last several years online. And I'll be honest, uh, as much junk as I talk about Facebook and social media as being uh, evil at times, the good times are getting to know people like you uh, through the internet. So I appreciate that. That is, uh, that is very true. It has brought the world uh, with as many distractions as it has brought. It has also brought a lot of um, wonderful advances and benefits to the way we live our lives, for sure. And you are thus here today as part of my intervention of getting rid of stuff. And uh, I'm about to acquire some new stuff, it turns out. Uh, this holiday season because, man, we just can't stop giving people gifts uh, in the traditional sense, whether that's good or bad. Help us understand gift giving and gift receiving from a minimalist perspective. Sure. You know, I was just looking, I was just reading some statistics, uh, first and foremost, about holiday gift giving. And maybe I'll, I'll start with those because I think maybe we need to one, we need to even start with is this whole gift giving thing really benefiting us. Uh, did you know 28% of Americans um, are still paying off last year's holiday shopping? Oh. Uh, a year later, um, almost three out of every 10 Americans still paying off debt from last Christmas. Additionally, over 50% of Americans will say that they receive a gift that they didn't want this year. Uh, 20% of gifts are never used, and 4% go directly into the trash. Isn't that, I was just reading those stats, um, and it's pretty unbelievable when you think about it. Well, other than paying for last year's uh, holiday, everything you just said applies t to me, honestly. I mean, I have thrown away gifts right when it's been given after the person leaves your house, and not because I'm a jerk, and maybe we start there. It just didn't bring any value to my life. I wasn't being judgmental. Uh, there's that guilt that comes with, hey, maybe I should keep this. So when they come over, what, what's the right way to handle that? Yeah. Well, so let me preface by saying I'm, I'm not a, a bah humbug type of guy. I'm, I'm all for gift giving. As a matter of fact, I think that human beings have been exchanging gifts to show love and appreciation for thousands of years like since humanity began we've been given gifts to show love and appreciation so uh, i'm not against the practice and expressing love in that way i do think that we need to start rethinking the gifts that we're giving uh the gifts that we're asking for um those types of things in 
relation to, which I have some ideas and tips to give you, but uh, your specific question about how do we handle gifts that we, that we don't want to receive, I, my theory is this. I am always gracious when it's given. I never get mad at someone for giving me a gift or try to make my argument for minimalism at that, at that time. Um, I'm gracious and accept it um, and humbly accept it. But I also don't feel like I need to keep a gift that is a burden to me. Uh, I don't think most people give gifts because they want it to be a burden. And I, I could probably guarantee your answer. If you gave a gift to someone and shortly thereafter they decided it wasn't improving their life and actually it was getting in the way of their life, you would want them to get rid of it, right? Yeah. I mean, there's this... I think, uh, yeah, I think... It's, I think most people feel that way about the gifts that they're giving. You know, there's this running joke in our family that, uh, and I can't get too deep into what relatives on whose side did it, but one, one, <laughs> one Christmas season years ago, probably 15 years ago, the person went out and bought six Razor scooters. They have two kids, and they bought six Razor scooters for like 15 bucks each. And the question was, why did you buy six? And she said, because they were $15 each. So then for years, she kept four boxed Razor scooters in their garage for no reason because they were 15 bucks. And that's, that's where the absurdity of not only Black Friday, but Cyber Monday, that's where people lose their mind, Joshua. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a not, it's not counting the full cost of your purchase. You know, we, we tend to, like our filter tends to be, do I have the money to buy this? And we don't ever think about, man, this is going to take up space in my garage. This is going to take up space in my mind. I'm going to see it every time I drive in the garage and be reminded of these four scooters I bought and never used. Um, so, yeah, for sure. Um, I, for, for gifts, I, you know, because this is probably, other than how do I get my spouse on board with minimalism, probably the second most common question I get asked is, what am I supposed to do about gifts that people give me? And uh, I, I say usually telling them you don't want a gift doesn't work. Sometimes it works. There's some relationships where it works. Um, but oftentimes people who want to give you a gift are going to give you a gift even if you don't ask for it or specifically ask for no, except for maybe the second, third, fourth year of asking no gift. They, uh, they start to get the picture. But when it comes to gifts that you do receive, I, I, I stress a couple of things, like needs over wants. So we need things. Uh, we're changing. There are needs that we have in our life, needs that we have in our kids' life. So needs over wants. Uh, quality over quantity is a helpful filter. If you're going to spend $50 on me, one $50 gift as opposed to five $10 gifts uh, would be appreciative. Um, experiences over possessions, um, not just like a gift card to Kohl's, but a dinner out together or zoo passes, or concert tickets, um, experiences. And then, uh, and then you can always fall back on consumables, uh, consumables over non-consumables. So, you know, I don't know, wine club or fruit club or coffee, you know, those types of things that you're going to use up. And then you, like, you ask for those things. And, and you say, hey, these are the things I'm asking for. I'm trying to make some changes at home. Um, you know, this is a way that you can still honor this idea of showing love and appreciation around the holidays or on my birthday without adding 
to the amount of clutter that I have in my home. And my favorite gift I've ever received, my wife gave me last year for my birthday. It was chef for the day at my favorite restaurant. And so I, and I'm going actually on Friday of this week, I get to go and be, uh, to, to do the whole food service starting at 10 AM. I get to cook and prep with, with all these chefs and cooks for the entire day and then go back later at night to enjoy some of the food that I help prepare for the other diners. Like that is such a great experience for someone like me to do something like that. And it has changed the way I want to give gifts, Joshua, because I want people to feel uh, that an experience matches who they are. And so um, I always find that interesting. I always find the quality over quantity thing uh, is a tough one. It's, It's a smart one. But when you're when you're asking someone, you're trying to shape their giving for everyone's benefit. That can be a little awkward, right? It's like, uh, hey, I know you typically get me five things and you spend 150 bucks, but if you would just use that buck fifty and get me a uh, gift card to the wine shop, that would be great. I mean, we can create some awkward moments, but it's important, right? Yeah. Well, I think like a, a wide range of gifts ideas would be uh, would be helpful because I mean, there's people who. Like, they want to give you what you want. There's some people who don't care what you want and are going to buy whatever they want instead, which is unfortunate. Um, but there are people who, like, they want to get you something that you want. And, um, and yeah, a, a range of gifts that they can choose from, one that matches something that they would enjoy giving you uh, along with something that you want to receive, I, I think is um, perfectly appropriate and, and very helpful, very helpful for people. I had a mom one time. Um, she asked me, she stopped me after a, a speaking event and she said, look, I have a, my, my, or have an eight year old birthday party for my daughter. She really wants a bicycle. Um, but we can't afford it. Do you think I could tell the other moms just to bring $10 that we could all use to buy her a bicycle? Do you think that's tacky or do you think that's inappropriate for me to make that request of the kids that are coming to her birthday party? And I said, Honestly, I think every other mother will be so thankful (laughs) that you say that, that they don't have to go to Target and stare at the toy aisle and try to figure out what to get your eight-year-old, that they know that they'll be chipping in to get something that she's going to use for years to come. I, uh, I, I think people probably actually appreciate that more than we more than we think. The Minimalist Home, available December 18th everywhere, available online now. Joshua Becker, thank you so much for spending so much time with us today. I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, letting let me talk about some of these things. It's, uh, it's important. There's people who want to own less. Uh, the book is very practical and um, step-by-step uh, through 18 different spaces in the home, so I think they'll enjoy it. Coming up after the break, more of the Pete the Planner Show right here. I'm Pete the Planner. Every day living through the peace of my soul, I remain whole even in the middle of the pain. Even though my life has the rain, I still remain sane, writing and creating for my life. And my pen is my sword given by the Lord, and I use it to fight the tides of restriction. Sometimes I'm conflicted by myself looking at the trees too much and can't see the forest. Enemies shall inherit the earth, and I want to inherit something, something other than the high blood pressure and diabetes. So work is what I got to do. Stay true to my enemy and water the trees that I sing from and look out for the lumberjacks. 
running with the gale force wind at my back swift and enduring i remain calm swift and enduring i remain calm swift and enduring i remain calm this lays great errors to rest let me remain calm back on the pete the planner show biggest waste of money of the week that's what time it is Hopefully enjoyed my interview just now with the minimalist home author, Joshua Becker. I really like him. Nicole and I were talking at the break. I love his disposition. Was that a weird thing to say about somebody? No, I think that's a really great compliment. I, he calms me down. I'm, I'm a pretty you hyper person. I do need those people. You need those people. Um, I am not that person. <laughs> and I'm very serious that I'm going, my wife and I are really going after this idea of getting rid of stuff. I don't know what the percentage is. I, I don't really want to count it, to be honest with you. But like, if we got rid of 10 to 15% of our stuff over the holiday, I would be happy with that. But that is a lot of stuff. I'm going to be honest. You know? It's a lot of stuff. All right, let's do this. Let's do biggest waste of the money of the week. If we had to come back to minimal stuff, we will. <laughs> go. So everybody go uh, and buy The Minimalist. Minimalist? I can't talk. The Minimalist Home by Joshua Becker. It's available December 18th, or you can buy it online now. And yes, if you have to buy the digital copy so you don't feel like you're cluttering your house with a book, you can do that. Uh, this week's biggest waste of the money of the week is the $4 I had to pay for my six-year-old son to watch my nine-year-old daughter's gymnastics meet. Nicole, I got beef. I uh, completely understand because uh, Dad Frankowski has the same beef you. So here's the thing. So my daughter had a gymnastics meet I don't know, two weeks ago. No one knows. And it was at the facility of which she normally takes gymnastics, of which we pay good American money uh, to, for her <laughs> lessons, right? Yeah. And then we paid an, a meet entry fee so she could be part of the meet. And then we show up at the meet and we have to pay to get into the gym to watch her do the gymnastics uh, that we paid for her to be a part of and paid <laughs> for her to train for. And so, yeah, am I mad about the $6 that I had to pay? Yeah, absolutely. But Nicole, what I'm especially upset about is that I had to pay $4 for my six-year-old son who would rather have been anywhere on the earth, including the center of an active volcano, than watching his <laughs> sister do gymnastics. And I say this from experience because when I was a kid, I had to go to my sister's stupid gymnastics meets, and they they changed who I am in a bad way. All my bad qualities that I have in my life and marriage and everything else come from me going to my sister's gymnastics meets, and that's the truth. I'm sure that the same goes for my little brother who had to go to dance recitals and dance competitions. Being a little brother and having a sister that goes to these things with scores. Yeah. It's score-based events. Right. Like, uh, did did my daughter get second on an event? According to someone scoring, but there's no objective way to measure it. <laughs> How, how'd you do at your dance competition? We got third. By what measure? That's pretty subjective. That's the issue. It's score-based. I'm sorry. I'm very upset. This Whoa. other... I got... You're I not have, allowed to have this much espresso i caught feelings you about did. this situation I uh, tell. you know it's on your heart in the spirit of our discussion with joshua becker and minimalism i think i found the perfect biggest waste of money of the week this week yeah the auto car club <laughs> located in scottsdale arizona not too far <laughs> from joshua becker the auto car club is a hub for elite car collectors the what? yeah the members no. only club is housed in a forty-seven thousand square foot facility offering climate controlled storage 
for your most prized possessions. Oh my God. Their main building can hold 185 vehicles, while an addition, uh, 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 tw- additional 20 private storage garage gives owners 24 access of up to four rides each. A smartphone app keeps your collection in the palm of your hand, as well as notifying you about exclusive member experiences and events like track days and speaker series. Enrollment also comes with free reign of the lounge, private conference room, and dining room, and other perks ranging from car detailing to transportation. Membership on the on the Auto Car Club <laughs> starts at five thousand dollars. No. Okay, so I I mean really I I'm so unbelievably against this entire idea but i do have to make one concession if we're being honest okay we'll let you the heat of the sun he well, was some <gasps> good good mic work there yeah. by me the heat of the sun in that in arizona if you if you happen to be a car person which i'm not uh-uh. you probably want it out of the sun yeah right when you're not driving it especially in the middle of the summer but I mean, I guess there's other means to deal with that. But doesn't that seem like just like a, a rich guy thing? I was going to say, yeah, that's just a, an extra show off on top of a show off, right? I feel I feel compelled yes. to make a really bold statement that I would not want to hang out with anyone that, that does this sort of thing. Yeah. That seems excessively unnecessary and rude. No. But I kind of feel that way. I feel that way too. Priorities are all out of whack, man. But now they say that one of my best friends is a car guy and he... I do like hanging out with him. Okay, but uh, Nicole, did you have a bomb this week? I do. Thank you so much for asking. Okay. It is the Caviar by Tesla. I was going to choose that one. Yes, this is insane. You got to stop going to my website that I use for bombs. You're my inspiration. Okay, we'll have to finish what it is. It's a Caviar by Tesla phone case. And did you read the copy in it? The copy is my favorite. Caviar presented a unique development ahead of its time. The phone excess Tesla that is able to charge from light. Just a while ago, it seemed impossible, but already today it becomes necessary. Okay, why are they acting like solar panels are some revolutionary thing that they just invented? Yeah, it may, so it's an iPhone with solar panels. Yeah, and the, right, but have, have they never heard of a solar like power charger that you just plug into your phone? For almost $5,000. Hey, but it's on sale. It's 15% off. It's 4400 right now. So savings. It's like a helicopter ejection seat. But well, what happens if like you need the flashlight right. and it's at night and you're like, oh, well, can you put your flashlight on top of my phone so I can put on my <laughs> flashlight? My favorite is that they even go in to say it, it essentially just charges by air. And it's like, but does it, guys? Does, is, are you sure? If you could declutter one room or area of your home or your life. Yeah. Where would you start? Because Joshua Becker just told us you go from the easiest to the hardest. Right. The and, e- and then during the break, or maybe he said on air, the heart, I, mean, I don't know. I don't remember how the conversation flowed. Uh, he said, don't start with my closet because that's the hardest for me. Where, right. What's the easiest for you? The easiest would be our like our storage room downstairs, right? <laughs> so the room full of, of things you don't use. Right, exactly, because it's full of things that we don't use or it's full of things that we have forgotten that we even own because it's in our basement and no one ever goes in there. The you hardest know. would honestly be our den because it's just like a catch-all. It's a catch-all of laundry and whatever office things end up there and we've got his my special friend's dresser in there and it's rough i mean if i can give you some dad advice can i give you some dad advice sure i mean yep just yeah yeah here's (laughs) the thing um 
I really, really, really uh, want you to get control of the, that idea now because it only gets worse. You will only accumulate more and more stuff if you don't adopt a simplistic way of dealing with stuff. Oh my gosh, I don't even really want anything for Christmas because we have nowhere to put anything. Okay, so let me, let, I'm going to throw this back in your face. Please. If your special friend on that you wonderful know. morning, yes. if you guys came downstairs, the tree's there, and you're like, and, and you're like, oh, here, honey, I got you this, and you told me what you got him, and uh-huh. they're very nice things. And then it's, you know, it's your turn in that moment to unwrap things, but you start doing the math, uh-huh. and there's nothing under the tree. Uh-huh. And he says, well, he said he didn't want anything. What? Uh, let's be honest. What happens? He probably gets slapped. Right. But I already know that he's getting me an experience and not stuff. So an experience. Oh, I'm sorry. Why am I laughing about that? You literally were just talking. About I know, but I just wanted to. The, the way it came out made me like, I know. Gosh. Don't be mean. I like being mean. I know. Sometimes. All right. That. Oh, last point of the show. I broke my foot. I am in a walking boot. No one cares. It stinks. That's all we have time for this week. That's just the last note for you. Uh, <laughs> sending you good vibes. Good vibes are all that we have in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner. This is my show. This is for information purposes only. Not the services. Financial planning device. Consult a financial divisor. Magnificence in an instance, I can make you dance, cry, or love, fly as a dove, released from Everest, the fresh is fresh, and you can call me E.T., word to John Tesh, let me bless this harmonic presentation, it's amazing, so amazing, I'm the reason, uh, salutations, I bring you love, trying greetings, from a faraway land, I am the soul controller, put the remote down, and let me take control, you're now a part of my zone, so enjoy yourself, Love Tron can restore your health. I bring you greetings, uh, salutations. How you doing? And is that how y'all say it? The tinkling of the keys is an homage to the little, little star. I sojourn over poetic descriptions of sound and travel to my other world. Out of this world, spaceship on my arm took me home. Filled by the ink and the megabytes and the hypertext transfer protocol stronger than the Skynet and the Terminator. I push faders into warp speed, glide with ease, creating a breeze they call a black hole. Event horizon, no rear view concerns. This I adjourn, adjourn, and beats I burn, I burn, I burn, I burn. This I adjourn, and beats I burn. Salutations, I bring you love, trying greetings from a faraway land. I am the soul controller. Put the remote down and let me take control. You're now a part of my zone, so enjoy yourself. Love, try, can restore your health. I bring you greetings. Uh, salutations, how you doing? And is that how y'all say it?